Let's go to Acts chapter 11. Acts, book of Acts, chapter 11. All right, now I want to minister this morning on, uh, I want to begin a, another series actually, and um, we'll see where it takes us over the next, uh, the weeks ahead. But I want to consider with you uh, over the course of a few sessions uh, the the doctrine or the topic of discipleship in the Bible, discipleship, what it means to uh, to be a disciple of Christ, and so because there's really um, there's various aspects that are related to this, and um, it's important for us to understand because the Bible is clear. And it calls us to be a disciple of Christ. That's what we are. We are all disciples of Jesus Christ. Or at least we should be a disciple because we have to measure that by the biblical standard, right? We have to examine what the scriptures teach us about, well, what does it mean to be a disciple? To make sure that we are, in a sense, qualified, I guess, if we could use it and put it that way. So what is a disciple? What is discipleship? How are disciples made? So these are very important questions because they go to the heart of the Great Commission, don't they? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples of every nation. And so it's not just evangelism. Evangelism is the proclamation of the good news. But then there's the the work of making disciples uh, that is the central focus of of, uh, of, um, uh, of building people up in their faith and growing into Christ and Christian maturity and, and following Jesus and doing his will and obeying him and all the different aspects that are associated with what it means to be a disciple. So, so we have the Great Commission and it's clear. And there's no doubt if you study the book of the Bible and you look at the the word and term discipleship, you begin to realize very quickly how prominent that word is throughout the scriptures. So much so that um, the word Christian appears three times. And the word disciple or disciples uh, appears some 274. So that in itself just says something, right? I mean, obviously, there's a, it's important because we... We sit here this morning and we're, uh, we say, yeah, I'm a Christian and, and, uh, and, and that's okay. I'm not, uh, I'm not discrediting that at all. In fact, we'll see that in our text this morning. But, um, but there's a reason in the scriptures why we find such an emphasis and so much use of the word disciple. It's really, really important. And there's a deliberateness to this in scripture. And so we could sit here and we could really look at the word Christian and we could argue that easily that it has become such a generic word that, that really it can mean anything, can't it? You can make Christian mean anything. And so because there's a, the term Christian has become such a generic term that we have to kind of define it in Scripture as well because, because of that and that reality. People seem to um, become disconnected from the, the spiritual reality of what it means to be a Christian because Roman Catholics proclaim to be Christians. Ethan Orthodoxy will claim Christianity. 
as a whole in the, in the general sense. And so Christendom, if we want to use that term, it's an appropriate term. But everything that comes under the banner of Christian is not Christian. And so the word Christian really has to be defined because it's become such a generic term. That's why Messianic Jews refuse to be called Christians, right? Because they, 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 look, at, they look at the history of the Christian, so-called Christian church and they see the persecution of, of Jews of themselves. And so when they, they, they become believers in the Messiah, in Jesus, and, and then all of a sudden uh, they call them, now they, they call themselves Messianic Jews, but they won't call themselves and go by the name, I'm a Christian. It's just one of those things for the most part. So the term Christian must be defined scripturally, not culturally, not religiously, that we see in the world around us especially going to Europe and seeing such, such um, you know, seeing the history of, so, of Christendom and its hallmarks scattered everywhere over Europe and its claims to be Christian, but, um, but the, the idolatry and, um, and the false doctrines and teachings that are associated with it. You know, when Constantine, I shared some of this last week, but when Constantine made um, Christianity the religion of the state, um, really all that began to happen was that Christianity became corrupted and, uh, and it, it became intermingled with all the pagan practices and, and, uh, and it formulated and ultimately manifested into Roman Catholicism in, that first, in, in those initial stages. Uh, and as a result of that, the Christian truth and testimony became muddied. You know, the waters were muddied. So a Christian now, uh, you know, everyone proclaimed Christianity, but... But what was it that defines a Christian this morning? It's interesting because, let's be real, I mean, what makes us a Christian? <clears throat> Does going to church make you a Christian? Does being born in a Christian family make you a Christian? <laughs> Does growing up in a Christian home make you a Christian? So these are important questions that we have to understand because we have to define it scripturally. And so we understand you, that, that what makes the, the basis of us being a Christian, obviously, is the fact that we have to be one born again and having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to be born of the Spirit. That's the important part. So when we go to the Scriptures, we see a fundamental principle of what a Christian is, and this is why I'm starting at this point as an introduction to the issue or topic of discipleship in Acts chapter 11. And I'm sure it's a familiar text to some. People probably already know what I'm going to read, but hey, let's read it and let's see what the Bible is telling us. Let's look at verse 26 and we'll read that particular verse. This is the first time that the word is used. So when, and this is about Barnabas, or verse 25, and Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Who were first called Christians? The disciples. Okay? And so, this is important. And so, um, 
the disciples. There's a clear emphasis and connection that's, a, that's related to this. The disciples were first called Christians. And so how would we, then would we describe a disciple? And that's what we're going to do as we move through this. But in essence, it's, it's really simply just a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ. A follower of Jesus Christ. We are called to follow him. And, and so that's what we do. We are to follow Jesus. That's the essence. And, and there's aspects that we'll see that are associated with it. But this is at Antioch. And Antioch being um, a, a, a Gentile church. You know, this is now the Gospels come started in, in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and it's going beyond. And so here it is. Here's Barnabas and Saul. They come, or Paul, as we know him, he, they're in Antioch, and for a whole year they're teaching and they're, they're establishing the church, and these are disciples. And the disciples were first called Christians. Now, there's some conjecture, even debate, regarding the term Christian. Some will say that it was, uh, you know, obviously it was a name that was given to the church, okay? It wasn't that they called themselves Christians. It was they were first called Christians. And so the emphasis being that they were, they were labelled as Christians. These are, that's what they called them. And so there's, a, there's a, uh, uh, those that say that it was given as a derogatory term to, uh, uh, you know, to identify them as Christ's followers. And so it was, uh, it, that, was, that was the main reason. That was the emphasis. And so I, from my particular vantage point, from my understanding from the Scriptures, there's no doubt that with the word Christian there is a reproach. Okay, that comes with that. Clearly, we see it in Scripture. But um, I'm not convinced that, it was, uh, that that's the exact reason behind why they were called Christians. Um, remember, this was a Gentile church predominantly, and so they were being identified and, as such, and so they were, taught, they were called uh, Christians. And so the reason for, uh, why I say this is because in Latin, the word Ian or, you know, a Christian, I-A-N, is actually, it means the party of. And so they were identifying them. These were Christians. They were of Christ. They were followers of Christ. So that was the distinctive mark, and that's what they were labelling them as. And so... And so this is what they were. So was it a derogatory term? I don't know. Because if you look at, uh, uh, in Acts chapter 24, remember when Paul, uh, the Jews were seeking Paul and they were trying to kill him and then he was captured and he was sent down to, um, well, he wasn't at Rome at this point in time, but he was being held and he was put before Festus and Agrippa and all those things. And then his accusers came to... Um, uh, to make their representation so that they could get Paul brought back to Jerusalem so they could kill him, right? That was what was happening. And as they made their, as they made their presentation in Acts, 26, sorry, in Acts 24, verse 5, uh, they refer to Paul as him being the leader of the sect of the Nazarenes. <laughs> that was derogatory. You know, he's from the cult of the Nazarenes. He's from that, you know, that's where Christ, he was a Nazareth. And so when they referred to the sect of the Nazarene, that was clearly derogatory. But in this instance, as Christian, I'm not sure necessarily that that um, was the case. 
There's only uh, two other instances that we find the word Christian found in, in, in the Bible, and it's in uh, Acts chapter 26 when Paul is speaking to Agrippa, and he's giving testimony, and he's preaching the gospel, and then Agrippa is convicted, and he says, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. So there's the other reference. It's the second reference. And then there's the third reference where Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, where he says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, uh, he says, let him not be ashamed. So obviously there's a reproach that comes with that name Christian. There's no doubt about it. But they're the only three references that we have in the Bible that relate to that particular term. And I'm not saying it's not relevant. It is. We've, it's, it's, it's an appropriate term. There's no problem ultimately with it, although I can understand why Jews don't want to identify with it because of the generic nature and, and all that, uh, the, you know, how it's all muddied and all the rest of it. But uh, that's exclusive to them. For us, it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course, I'm a Christian. But I like to say, I'm a born-again Christian. Have you ever, have you ever done that? Because so many people use the phrase and the term, but they're clearly, even though they say they're Christians, they're not Christians. They don't have no knowledge of, uh, of, 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 the, of, of the reality of the cross and salvation and how to be saved and all of those things. It's just a label that they wear. So we have this issue where we have the word Christian three times and we have the word disciples. And so the disciples, that's what they were. The disciples were first called Christians. And so the reasonable conclusion is that, that the disciples, as the scripture says, the disciples were first called Christians. But here is another reasonable conclusion that I've discovered as, as a Christian, is that not all Christians are disciples. Now think about that for a moment. So what do you mean? Well, we have to, again, we have to examine the scripture. Or if we are disciples, you know, um, we have to understand what it means to be a disciple. And that's the purpose of this particular text. And so, yes, you can be a Christian, but you cannot be embarking on the process of discipleship in terms of your relationship with the Lord and obeying God and doing his will and all that encompasses that being a, a true disciple of Jesus Christ this morning. So I know that that's a big statement, but I want to quantify that as we consider this topic. So the term Christian, as I've said, become, has become so generic. It's been loosely defined. And so as Christians this morning, we have to examine what the Bible teaches us. And we, as Christians, have to live up to that name. And to do so, we're going to have to ensure that we are true disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, let's state the fact, none of us are perfect disciples, right? I mean, look at the 12 disciples. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you just have to look there in the scriptures and begin to realize that you had a motley crew of individuals that had all their imperfections, they had all their hiccups and, and all the rest of it. But here they were handpicked by Christ to, to, to be the 12 disciples. And one of them was a devil. But <clears throat> we have here, and we see even in them, they weren't perfect. So discipleship's not about, uh, you know, being perfect. And, uh, because 
Jesus took these men and, uh, and they were, listen, the Bible says they were uneducated and untrained. I mean, this is, these were raw people. These were, when Jesus tro- chose the 12, he didn't go and say, okay, who's got, who got uh, at the school of Nazarene, who got A's for their, you know, who passed their VCE? He didn't use a qualification. In fact, he chose some fishermen and he chose a tax collector and he, he just chose some real ordinary, rough, gruff folks. And he was going to take these men and he was going to disciple them over a period of three years and prepare them for the great commission that he had prepared them for. And when you look at the process of discipleship and you look at Jesus as the perfect disciple maker, there's a lot to understand and to see in, in, in what it is and how it works. But let's think. I mean, at the end of Jesus' life, would you have thought that he had succeeded in training the twelve? I mean, here he was, he's, he's getting arrested and he's about to be crucified and the Bible says that, that they, uh, they all scattered. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. They all ran off. Great disciples they were, right? And not only that, we know Peter, he even denied Christ three times. But he knew him. And these were, the, 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 I mean, Jesus had invested three years in them. And from the outside to us, it looks like, gosh, this is a, fail, a failed uh, um, process, but Jesus knows what he's doing and Jesus understands what he's doing and uh, we see later those uh, other than the one, the son of perdition obviously that, that uh, uh, Judas who betrayed him and died we see those go on even Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and being used mightily by God and so, you know, the, the point is, is that we're not perfect disciples, but if we, are, if we love the Lord and we're serving the Lord, then God can always work. He can always mold. He can always restore. He can always, you know, he who's begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ because he's the perfect disciple maker. So here's the basic premise this morning of what it means to be a disciple means simply to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now think about that for a moment because this is really profound. So here's Jesus. He's just, you know, he's been anointed for uh, his ministry. He's gone into the wilderness and he's been, for 40 days, he's been tempted, the devil. He's come through that and in the power of the Spirit, now he's beginning his ministry and he chooses uh, and selects these two men and he says to them, uh, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the scripture says they immediately left their nets and followed him. And so again, you're dealing with, I mean, these people forsook their their way of life. I mean, they, they were fishermen. That was their job. They did this day in and day out. And Jesus now says to them, listen, follow me, and uh, I'm going to make you fishers of men now. 
And, that, and, and they immediately left their nets to follow him. So obviously there was a, a commanding presence and power, which we know, and uh, all that was at work. But again, we see the premise. There was a purpose, and that was to become fishers of men. Um, someone said this today. I can't remember where, but I heard it quoted. But anyway, in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus gave us further insight into the process of discipleship when he said a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who's perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And so this is really important because it lays down another principle of discipleship. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone that's perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And so, the, again, this, this, this gives us insight about the manner of what discipleship incorporates. And that's why a servant's not greater than his master. And so um, uh, we have this, this, this principle that Jesus is laying down that the disciple will never be above his teacher in that sense, but he will, will be like him if he's perfectly trained. Remember those words, trained. And so, to be trained. You know, the word disciple in the Greek literally means to be a learner, a pupil. And this is important. Think about this. Uh, that's what a disciple literally is in the Greek. It means to be a learner. And we embark on a process because we're always learning, right? No one's arrived yet. But, uh, but we are in a process. We are pupils. We are disciples. And that word, the root word of disciple means to learn, to understand. We're always growing in our, our understanding, comprehension, and knowledge of God. And we're always growing in our, our walk with God and obedience and in all the different facets that incorporate discipleship. And so when we look at this word, a learner and a pupil, it has led lot, many, I should say, it's led many to actually deduce discipleship to some academic aspect. Now, this is, let me just touch upon this, because there is no doubt, fundamentally speaking, a, a dimension of, uh, of education or scholarship or study. You know, if you're a pupil, you're a learner. You have to do that. It's part of the process, right? But, but that's, for some, that's how they see the process of discipleship. So, like, I'm going to become a disciple of Christ. And so um, many incorporate that, and they say, well, let's... let's Sign up to a Bible college and, and go sit and sit and do uh, Bible courses and, and that's the process of education because I'm a disciple. But you see, there can be an overemphasis on education and scholarship. I'm not saying it's not necessary. I'm just saying it doesn't make up the whole process. It's not, it's, discipleship is much more than that because that's what happens. I've seen so many people go to Bible colleges and there's no life of Christ in them. They might have head knowledge, but they have no understanding of the practicalities of ministry and, uh, and, and so forth. And so that's just the reality. So sure, it benefits people and can equip them and it has its part, but that's not in and itself discipleship. That is only one aspect when it comes to education. And sure, the disciple needs to study. The disciple needs to give himself to understand and study the scriptures. That's, that's, that's a given but disciples didn't head off to Bible college. If you look at the process and principles in Christ's life, you don't see that. I'm not saying he didn't educate them. He spoke to them and, and taught them constantly. 
but it was more than just education. And that's the point that I want to make. There's two sides to the coin, as we will see. And education or educating is one side of the coin. And that's, uh, um, but the other side of the coin is relationship. Now listen to this. This is really important. Relationship. I, I remember one man saying that discipleship is a Holy Spirit ordained relationship. Now listen to think about that for a moment. Discipleship is a Holy Spirit ordained relationship. We see it in Christ and his disciples. We see it in the New Testament with Paul the Apostle and some of those that he discipled in Timothy and Silas and, and no doubt others. But we see something. This is why Paul would say to the Corinthians, you have 10,000 instructors. As everyone wants to tell you what to do and how to do it and, then, and educate you on this level, there's 10,000 instructors on how to live the Christian life. But he said there's not many fathers. And he was touching upon a principle of discipleship that is relational, that deals with that, that dimension of relationship incorporated, obviously, with ed, uh, teaching and doctrine and the educational dimension in whatever way, shape or form that may take its place. It's the principle that's important. It's not going to a Bible college per se, although that may benefit you, I don't know. And so here's Paul. You have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. And he says, I have begotten you in the gospel. And, he's, and, so, and then in that context, we won't go there, but he actually says these words. He says, imitate me, or he says, follow me or imitate me. You know that word in the Greek means mimic. It's quite an interesting one. In other words, he's telling them to follow my example. Watch my life, how I'm living and follow it, imitate it, on the basis of the, of, that, of the relationship that he has with them. Because this is a critical component. That's what Jesus did. He had relationship with his disciples. And it was in the context of that Holy Spirit-ordained relationship that he trained those 12. And we see that, again, throughout the Scriptures. So the other side of the coin rather than just education, is relationship. And have you ever heard the saying that truth is not always taught but caught? You know, not everyone, you know, or as, uh, you know, there's someone, uh, you know, I've got kids and not, not, not everyone's academic, some more uh, visual learners, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. people learn differently, Right? Some people are academic and they, they, they just thrive off it. But there's others, when you talk about it on an academic level, they go, Ugh. and say, well, you know what, just follow me because truth is caught. And, then, uh, and, and this is what Jesus did, but they observed him. And that's why Paul would say, and we'll, we'll touch on this in other places, but he would say, follow my manner of life. Watch how I'm living and live the same. Do the same. You're saying, oh, that's just blind. You're just being, you know, that, 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 that's uh, pretty weak and somehow that can be criticised because, you know, people look at that and, and they, they see, that, uh, they mock that type of thing. But it's a biblical principle. 
It's what happens in, well, it's meant to happen in families. You raise children, that's what you want to do. No? In the context of relationship and, 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 and teaching, you're saying, follow me. That's what you're doing. That's the principle. You, when we're raising children, we're, we're raising disciples. And so, truth is not only taught, but it's caught. And I think that, that, that we, 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 we underestimate that aspect. And then, because sometimes people are just doing, you know, they're following maybe, they don't fully grasp or understand, but they, they will. They'll learn. Sometimes we just want to criticize people for, for, for doing that. But that's what Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's the, it's the whole emphasis of exampleship. That, uh, that, that my life, you can, you can follow it. And uh, let that set down that precedent for you to, to follow, to serve the Lord. And so, follow me, is what Jesus said. Now, when we talk about follow me, and education, and relationship, and all of those things, what it comes down to at the end of the day as well, is that the disciple has to be not just a hearer of God's word, but a doer. And so the whole, now it will, will begin to shift into obedience. And obedience is a key factor of discipleship. And so in other words, uh, we can come to church and hear and think that we're doing. But James says we can be hearers of the word, but not doers. And we can deceive ourselves in the process because we think, well, I'm hearing. I'm going through the motions. I go to church. I go to Bible study. I'm, I'm hearing God's word. And we equate that with doing. But we have to examine our lives and say, am I following? Am I obeying? Am I doing what God has instructed and told me to do? Because that, again, goes to the heart of discipleship. So we have Christians filling churches every Sunday thinking that they are disciples, but are they all disciples? See, biblically, we, do we meet the criteria to be able to call ourselves disciples and not just Christians this morning? Because as the scripture says, the disciples were first called Christians. So let's look at the standard we see in Antioch. And the standard we see in Christ's teachings and we're going to look at the standard that we see in the Old Testament and New Testament because it's right throughout the scripture when we look at this particular topic and that's what we're going to do over the weeks ahead and may God help us to understand the call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and I'm and I'm, I'm my assumption is we, we of course we're all disciples in that we're seeking to love the Lord and serve him but let's define it, let's look at it, let's examine it, let's apply it, let's, let's ensure that we're in that lane that God wants us to be in. So I want to just leave you with a simple thought of discipleship this morning. And so and I, I, in Acts chapter 22, um, in verse 3, Paul the Apostle was, was speaking again, and he says, he says these words, he says, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, 
but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous towards God as you are all today. And the reason why I read that, because I think it sets forth, again, a principle. Paul is saying that I was a disciple of Gamaliel. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, again, I'm not saying, you know, don't misunderstand. I'm trying to touch on principles here, not repeat the actions. (laughs) But Paul is saying, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel, and I was a disciple, and, as an, and, and I had relationship with this man, and I was taught according to the strictness of the law, the Torah. And he was educated and taught in that, in that context. And he says, I was zealous, as you were this day, for the law. And so because obviously we have to have a zeal, we have to have a passion, we have to have a desire to want to serve God and to do what's right and to please him. But see, this type of idea of discipleship is something that is looked and frowned upon in the modern world. But this is how it works. You know, that's why we have a problem in schools today, because, you know, what, what do you want to learn today? What do you mean, what do you want to learn today? I'm the teacher. You sit there, listen. No, it's really bad. I remember going to an. Inter- I remember when I it was years ago going with my one of my children to a teacher parent teacher interview, and um, and so they had introduced all these new concepts of how they were going to have a parent teacher interview. When you go to a parent teacher interview, the, the the teacher talks to you about the the pupil, right? And they give you an update, an overview, what's going on, whatever. But no, they're going to change the whole system, right? So we get there, and so the kid's going to control the interview. I mean, he's not even 10 yet. And so, so you know, so, so, well, what do you want to tell to your parents? What have you been learning? And I'll tell you, this is what happened. This is what my son said to me. <laughs> he said, I want to learn to throw the ball. <laughs> like, I looked at her and him, and I I mean, okay, you know, he's a young kid, I get it. I'm thinking to myself, and she's going, <laughs> I said, God help us. And didn't, didn't give me any information whatsoever. And that was a student-led parent-teacher interview. Whatever that means. No, 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 that's not how it works. You see, the teacher is the one that's in charge. The teacher is the one that's teaching the students, sit at my feet and listen and learn, be instructed, obey. And if you don't, boop, boop. (laughs) I know, but it's true. And so um, this is why the whole concept of discipleship is foreign to, uh, uh, to the world in which we live in. But biblically speaking, it's so crystal clear. And we want to tap into that. And we want to identify it because we want to be true followers and true disciples of Jesus Christ. Because a disciple, and this is another thing that I've noticed, if I could uh, just conclude in saying this. Because people say, oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's great. But what they mean by that is that I'm not submitted to no man. 
I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus only. Like, really? Do you, when, we, when, we, when we look at the scripture, we're going to see that, that God has ordained men and women, mankind, in the process of women teaching women, men teaching men, and the whole process of, of, of growth and development of discipleship. And it takes place, you know, God, if, if, if God wanted to do it himself, he wouldn't have said to the 12 disciples that he trained for 12 years, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. They were the means by which God was going to accomplish the work. You can't short circuit. Oh, it's just me and Jesus. I'm just a disciple of Christ, you know, because men are this. Well, you know what? Men can be, men have imperfections. Men can be abusive. Men can be wrong. I get it. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The principle in Scripture is that disciples, that's why Paul would say, he didn't say, oh, follow Christ, follow Christ, and just point you to Christ. Well, that's great. And there's a truth to that. It's a truth. But Paul said, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my manner of life. What you've seen and heard, do what you've, done, what you've seen. He's saying, follow me. And that is a crucial dimension to discipleship that is lost because of its abuses. And I've seen the abuses of that probably been part of the abuse of that to some degree. And, I, and so, but that doesn't mean we reject what is clearly in the Bible. It means that we align ourselves with it, identify with it, embrace it, and ask the Lord help us to practice it. Because that's how God has ordained it. And so these are some other things this morning that we will continue to look at as we look at discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing this morning. Father, we just bless your holy name. My God, as we come around your word, Lord, we do love you, Lord. We do want to be a disciple of Christ. And we do want to walk worthy before you. We do want to fully please you. And so, God, I pray that you would deal with us according to your tender mercies and open our understanding of what it means to be a disciple. What is required of us? What is the expectation that you have of us? Because, Lord, we must seek to obey you, to do your will. And, God, it's about what, what you want, what you have ordained. And so, God, I pray, bless the assembly. Bless us, Lord, as we come around your word and help us, Lord, in this, in this area. And uh, not only to be a disciple, but to make disciples, Lord, in the, in the days and weeks and years of Ahead. So we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.